0: Welcome to the new podcast that for Buffalo Sports Kingdom, I am Noam Morse alongside my father, Todd Morse. Um, We are going to do this podcast together. Uh, It's a you know, it's one of those those cool father son things. Um, So our goal uh, for this podcast is to talk about Western New York sports and things that interest us in the sporting world or in the world in general. Um, you know, not going to be super uptight, not going to be something super serious either. We're just two guys who like sports who are also father and son. Uh, my Twitter is BSK underscore Noah, and the show's Twitter is Buffalo Sports King. Uh, There is going to be a website on the way where you'll be able to easily access this podcast, and there is eventually going to be a logo on the Twitter. Um, I know we look like a bot right now, but there will be a logo at some point. Um, Like I said, I am joined again by my father, Todd Morse. Uh, You want to add anything in?
1: Born and bred in Buffalo, uh, just like Noah. Um, Never really lived outside of Buffalo, Buffalo area. Uh we're both die-hard Buffalo fans. Um I think at the end of the day, Noah really hit the nail on the head. What we're looking to do is just uh be two guys who really enjoy each other's company. Uh, love talking about sports, uh just like any father son would do. Uh, of course, I'll be right most of the time, Noah will be wrong, but that's that's a different uh subject that we'll talk about later uh, when we talk about our topics and I end up right all the time. Um, like Noah said, uh, we have Twitter handles. Mine is BSK underscore Todd. Uh, I'm really looking forward to doing this with, with Noah uh, and and really getting this going. Uh, we're going to have a pretty slick site pretty slick logo and uh pretty slick podcast uh and we're looking for pretty much uh everything to be slick since i said that five times now uh i think we're gonna start the podcast now uh noah's really gonna drive today um and uh noah comes from uh Uh, another site and has a lot of connections and uh we're really looking forward to uh getting some information to you getting our thoughts to you adding a little humor and talking about sports the world and how they relate and let's get started
0: yeah uh so yeah let's definitely jump let's jump just right into it just get deep and dirty right away um so i mean i guess you know the main topic that is on everybody's mind is uh the coronavirus and you know the status of the nation as a whole um but especially when it comes to sports um i know that you know you and i were talking about this before even and you said you know sports are the perfect getaway for a lot of people they they let people forget about things just that are just going on so um you know our first Topic, you know is is reopening of the leagues and you know the one that seems to kind of be driving this and driving getting their facilities open and really having a plan in place uh, is the NBA um, you know they've already developed some guidelines for how they want it to be in the facilities um, and they also are de- developing a plan or have a plan in place if another player or person associated with the team gets sick. Um, Because, you know, it did kind of hit them out of the blue when it became all of a sudden, oh, Rudy Rudy Gobert has COVID-19. He's sick. And so does Donovan Mitchell. And then another player had it. Marcus Smart of the Celtics. Then it kind of seemed to be this rolling ball. And then, you know, games were over and it's now been almost 60 plus days without sports. So... Um, you know, as I brought up before, the NBA has any has guidelines in place. Um, I'll read them off really quickly, and then I'll get your ideas on them. Uh, the guidelines are as follows. No more than four players permitted in the facility at one time. No head or assistant coaches can participate. Uh, group activity remains prohibited. That includes practices or scrimmages. Uh, players remain prohibited from using non-team facilities, such as public health clubs, fitness centers, or gyms. Players must wear face masks at all times and staffers must remain 12 feet away from the players at all times as well. Um, only a six assistants or developmental coach are allowed to supervise the players at one time and teams must name a hygiene supervisor from the staff and players do, like I brought up previously, do have the option of going, but they can also use their home gyms instead of going to there and give maybe the rookies more time to get in there because you know some of them uh, don't have basketball hoops in their home like LeBron James does, and the four teams that have reopened at this point in times are the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Denver Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets, and the Atlanta Hawks, and the the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on those guidelines?
1: You know, I think there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of confusion when you look at the guidelines and you think about. What they're trying to do, I think uh, there's a general consensus that Adam Silver is the best commissioner in at least the four main sports, Um, you know, uh, and, you know, he's, he cares about the league, um, he cares about the players, and in the end, uh, he still works for the owners. Um, So in the end, it's about profitability and what can happen. Um, And that's why the players have their own association, so they don't get screwed by the likes of Adam Silver and the owners. Um, There's a couple guidelines, I think, that really sort of bother me or confuse me. Um, I think the first one that is a little strange is that no more than four players permitted but then you combine that with only six assistants uh, or development coaches are allowed to supervise suddenly you're having more coaches than you are having players which i think is a little strange Um, you would think coaches have a lot more uh, time out in the world and I think in the end that uh, suddenly you're going to have 10 people on the court instead of instead of just four or five, and, and that's really kind of uh, questioning to me. Probably the biggest issue I have is that uh, four teams already have reopened while the other 28 have not. Um, you're going to have problems with this across the league as as teams really uh are going to have different opening schedules and then how do you set even a start date when say the Blazers have been practicing for a month and the Knicks have been practicing for three days um we all know the Knicks aren't going to win anything but that's not really the point here um it's just Uh, seems like an unfair advantage. And uh, I think overall that if you look at everything, um, that's probably the biggest problem that I have. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, Noah.
0: Um, I mean, yeah, I no, I definitely agree with you and I definitely understand what you're saying. Um, Yeah, I I think the four players to the six assistants or development coaches would be interesting. I mean, it also depends on... What that means, I mean, obviously we're not going to know the in-depth line by line of what the NBA put forth for their May 8th reopening. Um, But, I mean, the Hawks, Georgia has has already been open, so the Hawks already reopened their facility even before the May 8th um, when the NBA wanted to. Because they said, well, our state's open and we're complying, so that's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, I mean... I do agree with that. I think it should just be a unified time for them to open instead of having guidelines. And, I mean, if that means canceling the season or even waiting until, I don't know, July, August, um, you know, the times where they say, oh, it's going to be a slow period for coronavirus, then that's what they do. And then you push back the start. Date of the league like the NHL seems to want to I mean it makes sense to have the guidelines in place because you know I also don't think that you're going to get owners complying with waiting complying with doing that Um, I mean I think that Mark Cuban is a very smart guy and one of the best owners in the NBA um, but I mean he even came out against these guidelines and kind of brought up that same point that I said is that you, you know it's not fair that I have to wait to open my facility while, you know, somebody like the Hawks, somebody like the Cavs have already opened them. You're getting so much more time. And yeah, you say it's only four players, but if let's say all four players are rookies, those rookies are being able to learn to hear stuff from the coaches, to hear how to eat better, hear how to work out better. And are even getting that workout time in the facility, while other rookies who may not have, I don't know, the mansions yet that these other players have, or even have access to the facilities, then have to go back to their downstairs basement with the weights that only go up to fifty pounds, and that's all they're doing. So, I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with and you. And they're but shooting I do baskets the from side. their
1: garage, right? You know, you're shooting hoops right out, right in your in your driveway or something. Right. Uh, Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You're not,
0: you're not shooting on even on actual court either. Like, like I I do think there's a very big difference between when you're shooting on gravel or concrete versus shooting on an actual basketball court. So, I mean, it's, it's, it seems to be weird to give advantages here and there, but I mean, it also does make sense. And I definitely see what you are saying too.
1: Thanks. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) the uh uh, that's the father-son dynamic that you'll get out of this um and we hope that that you uh appreciate that as a listener um so the other thing that i think is interesting is players wearing face masks um i'm wondering if those face masks mean like the masks with just the white side and the blue side and uh That kind of thing, or if it's going to have to be like a real face mask that, you know, you saw Bill Lambert wearing and those kind of things uh, back in the day where, you know, everyone looks kind of scary. Um, That'll just have to be seen, uh, you know, as we go. But uh, I think that will be an interesting piece to this. Um, Maybe they should all just wear hockey helmets at this point. Um... You know, another thing that this does is, is it sets a precedent for the other leagues. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, going back to, you know, the NBA and uh, being a very secure and strong league, as well as having Adam Silver as the best uh, commissioner in sports, um, but setting precedents for other leagues. Um you know you can roll into baseball as you were talking about hockey as well you know it seems like each team in each league uh, is talking about shortened schedules um what they're going to have to do with players uh and actually i actually am curious how they're going to keep some social distancing for players and stuff like that on the bench um but what they're gonna have to do with crowds as well um i don't want think anyone wants to see the cardboard uh crowds like we have in and uh where was that japan or korea or something um, germany
0: it was the german
1: soccer league oh german right uh those crazy germans um the uh uh i don't think anyone wants to see that here but maybe they do um and you can pump in some crowd noise and at least get some sort of i don't know some sort of feeling in of the crowd being there um do you want to hop to baseball on this or do you have more that you want to talk about with the nba or nfl or what are you thinking
0: well, no, I thought it was interesting that you brought up fans because you know the UFC 249 was last night, and the thing you kept seeing uh, ha- happen was the the fighters would tell their coaches to stop talking so they could hear um, what the color analyst was saying because it was Daniel Cormier <laughs> on the on the call. So, like, Greg Hardy last night was asked, oh, how did you beat him? And he's like, oh, I heard Cormier yell – or I heard Cormier say on the broadcast, oh, go in for the punch and get him down. And he's like, so that's what I did. So then the next the next fight, the player won again, and he said the same thing. So, I mean, I don't know if – you know, I just think that's interesting to bring up when it comes in terms of fans because you might have somebody like – If the NFL comes back and there's no fans, but my equivalent to this would be like, if somehow the players can hear Tony Romo, like, I know the broadcast booth is up high, but like, for some reason they can't be that high up or whatever. Like if the players can somehow hear somebody like Tony Romo be like, Oh, like thing where he goes, Oh, watch out for the run here. And then somehow the defense or like the defensive coordinator hears that and goes, Hey, they're going to run the ball. (laughs) Right. So, like, you know, the, then the defense switches to that. But, I mean, that also allows the offense to be like, hey, what the hell? Okay, we got an audible out of that now. But I just thought that was an interesting thing to bring up in terms of fans.
1: Um, I also think that we know that uh, pretty much Tony Romo and possibly Chris Collinsworth are pretty much the only two people I would trust when I <laughs> when I hear <laughs> a breakdown anyway. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, especially with, Peyton Manning not taking uh, one of the jobs or mm-hmm. anyone like that. Uh but we'll get into that some some other day, maybe. Yeah. Um yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, let's let's uh let's move on to what uh the M the MLB is planning, uh talking about leagues reopening. Uh the MLB and uh Bud Selig and the owners set forth a plan that they want to run by the MLBPA. Um that includes An 80 game season with an early July start Uh, teams would only face division rivals and teams in the same geographic location in the other league to keep games regional and teams would play as many home games as possible to cut down on that travel Um, and playoffs, which has already been floated, already been talked about and already was in negotiations would then be expanded to include seven teams per league. Um, but the other thing that seems to be the thing that's holding everything up is that the MLB is trying once again to include a pay reduction for the players due to the teams and the owner losing revenue without fans in attendance. Um, the MLB PA spokesman came out and said, the negotiation is over, <laughs> end quote. So, uh, you know, we just talked about what the NBA wants to plan in place, but this is now the MLB switching gears two different league what are your thoughts on what the mlb wants to put forth?
1: you know i think what you're gonna see is each league uh really trying to cut down on salaries for the players um you know the nfl rolled out their schedule the other day and they're pretending like everything is going to be hunky-dory by the the start of september but who knows you know we it's a different world right that we're living in right now with the coronavirus and everything um and you know what the nfl says is we're ready for any kind of circumstance but was anyone really ready for when the coronavirus hit um who knows what if another coronavirus uh, or covid 20 hits next you know at the end of this year and it's a whole new whole new uh ball game to use a sports reference here. I think with the MLB specifically, um well, again, I think this is really going to cut cut through every league is going to be about about player salaries. Um I think it probably comes down to whatever is in you know the collective bargaining agreement, um, and then working through that. I don't think if you're cutting the the season in half and you're not having fans, that players are seriously considering that they should get the same amount of pay. Um, when I can tell you, at least from some of the collective bargaining agreement pieces. Uh, that I've heard, you know, uh, or know that virtually every single one has to have something where uh, league revenue is tied to player salary. So, um, but it's it's a weird thing, you know, uh, to switch back to the NFL for a second, um, where revenue... Uh, It's going to be significantly down, but the NFL has a much better TV contract really than any other sport. Um, Still, revenue is going to be down if you don't have people in the stands or if you have a third of your fans in the stands. Um, It's going to be very strange no matter what happens, but as far as players getting paid... I I just can't see the players getting paid the same amount, and if they don't want to, then you, you, honestly, as an owner, if I were an owner, I would not want to have the season if I had to pay you know uh, Tom Brady twenty five million and the schedule gets cut to ten games. Um, it's it's not the kind of thing that I would be be interested in doing um and and uh every single owner would end up uh in in the red um big time and and it's not something that we would want to do i'm sorry i kind of switched from baseball to football but uh you know i think in the baseball sense it's even more important um because uh baseball doesn't have have the tv contracts in place that that football does um and so a lot of revenue in baseball has to come from the fans and and the fans filling up the stadium um so with that in mind i i just if that's a non-sequitur for players and they're really emphasizing on that then we may not see a baseball season at all
0: yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, you know, when you're talking about revenue and things like that, the MLB, you know, you, you can't really compare it to other leagues because I, I, I think the thing always is, is that, right, the MLB and the NHL don't generate nearly as much revenue as the NBA or the NFL. So I I think the thing isn't the fact that the owners want to pay reduction. I think the thing that's holding it up is that they want – is that the players in the last CBA, right, already took a pay reduction. So it seems to be that every single time a CBA comes up, there just continues to be a pay reduction. Um, But the thing is, is that, you know, the players get paid a $110 million contract and things like that. And when you compare that to other sports, it's more money, um, I think the only thing that would save the NFL from not having to do a pay reduction would be their revenue. Because, I mean, even if you have 10 games and half of them, right, maybe even, or all 10 of those games, the, the, the team is allowed to have fans. The, the NFL would generate a ton of revenue from that because you'll have people buying jerseys, buying hats, and all the things. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen at MLB parks, um, but if you're only having 80 games – and that's cut in half that's more than having a 17 game season and no bye week like if they're like if the nfl went from 17 games let me cut in
1: for a a moment because i think with the nfl and their collective bargaining agreement that's the one we're most exposed to right so that's the one that everyone probably knows the best uh with their collective bargaining agreement So when it comes to the NFL's uh, CBA, then um, a huge portion also determines the cap um, of the revenue. And they've determined what revenue is actually counted in revenue and what revenue just goes straight to the owners and that kind of thing. Um, But uh, I believe, and I I could be wrong, but I believe that uh, all tickets uh, all of the fans and fan bases um, goes straight straight to the revenue that's counted for the salary cap now again if you're having a third and I don't know how you do this other than just saying we're doing something completely different this year Um, but if you have a third of the fans in the stands or no fans in the stands where you're getting no ticket revenue at all um, your cap's going to drop by fifty million dollars or something, and so then how do you sit there and you say, "How are we supposed to pay you again, uh, Tom Brady?" And I'm just going to keep using Tom Brady as my as my example because I'm a Bills fan and we all hate him. Um, so the uh, I think with that with that revenue reduction uh on the ticket side you know um that it's 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 really an interesting spot um and i'm sure that that applies even heavily more into baseball and i am absolutely sure that that applies most heavily into the nhl um if you can't have people in the seats how are you making revenue in those sports um you know the NBA and football both have much better TV agreements uh, than than baseball and and the NHL do. Uh, I think once there was when the NHL came out of their last uh, lockout, they actually had to just agree to not even having revenue. They almost had to pay to get on uh, some of the stations. Uh, just like uh, get on uh, what's what's uh, the NBC station NBC now sports yeah right. yeah versus up, versus right. it was versus it was versus day. at the time that's right yeah. and uh, but it was basically uh yeah we'll show you if uh, we don't have to pay you anything so um, so I mean their TV revenue is has to be nothing. And um I know in baseball you know there's a much more hardcore fan base and a lot of these teams, you know when you think of a team like Atlanta or the Cubs, uh, I think the Cardinals uh, Red Sox, uh, Yankees, Yankees like, Mets yeah. I mean they're all powerhouse teams but they also have their own TV contracts in place And right. I think if the NHL has to would have to do something like that just, just to move forward with the season. Um, and if they keep canceling seasons there, we may not see an NHL exist.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I think to be quite honest, the, the one league that we might not see come back until the year is done is the NHL. I, I mean, or until next year is what I mean, not until the year is done because it already seems to be done. Um, but I mean, when it comes, bringing it back to the MLB, Um, I mean, the fact that they haven't even got off the ground yet, I I can definitely see them coming back. They just have to figure out a way to do it where it's beneficial to everybody. I mean, the pay reduction could be a very significant pay reduction, and that could be the reason why the MLBPA is like, what are you guys doing? Like, Like, the MLB could be going to be them and saying we want a 30% pay reduction or a 50% pay reduction even. So I mean, that, I mean, I don't know how the numbers will work out and that kind of thing, but that might be the one of the holdups would be maybe the percentage. Maybe the PA is thinking, yes, we definitely do have to take a pay reduction and we agree with it, but it needs to be only at our percentage or at a percentage that we can agree to that's kind of in the middle. So I think that's maybe something to think about. Cause I mean, we don't know. When I read the article, they didn't know. So, you know, it's going well, back to the NBA. Things, we we it, don't know the intricacies and that kind of thing.
1: If they're talking about a July, a July start, which I think is reasonable, mm-hmm. you know, maybe starting on the 4th or right around the 4th to get people interested, right. um, you know, I think everyone in general feels baseball has too many games, uh, even just during a regular season um and that maybe they should go back to the 142 that 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 they were at um even so i think when i was talking nhl i was talking that the nhl may just go broke um you know unless they get some big time backers who are willing to just pour money into it i i don't know that the nhl may even last um
0: well the thing i saw with the nhl is that um they're, if they can't come back, the cap's going to stay the same. They're not going to move it.
1: See, so, and so, you know, I th- I think that that's a, a sort of a smart a smart way that each sport has to go, just in the sense of almost pretending like this year and that maybe the the contracts, the collective bargaining agreements, and stuff that are in place just are sort of they don't exist for the season or they'll have to come to a new collective bargaining agreement just for the COVID or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they'll go back to the, to the old one. Um, But, you know, when you were saying that, that MLB players already took a pay cut um, you know, the other interesting thing about, about baseball is, you know, that they have four plus plus leagues and their farm system which which really no other sport has um so you have to think about what what they're paying players who they've signed you know at least through AAA and AA. a uh AAA guys make peanuts double a guys yeah. make a peanut i guess um <laughs> and uh you know these guys are struggling every day just just to to get by and, and, get through. Um, you, you hear the articles or you see the interviews and, you know, some of these guys really, uh, s- just struggle making an everyday salary on the salary that they're, that they're on. And, uh, you know, you have to, you have to consider how that, that would resonate down and trickle down onto, onto these triple A and double A and probably single A teams in the Great Fruit League and the Sunshine League and the whatever other leagues there are. Um, so, you know, and how that all sort of pans out. Um, and so I think baseball is in a very unique situation compared to, compared to the other sports. Um, and I'm very interested to see how that plays out uh, but a july start would would really be great with a shorter season i think it would bring more fans at least to the tv um which i think you know is something that maybe they can work on and see that hey a shorter season makes things more interesting so there could be some positives that come out of this um uh, hopefully i don't know um <laughs> I hope everything COVID related isn't negative, but uh, it's a tough world, right? So,
0: yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I mean, I definitely think it, I, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing is, is that if they end up getting it, is they want, I think they want to get this done as fast as possible so they can be the first sport on TV. I think. I think that's the other thing that might be playing into this too, is that they're trying to push through this deal. They're trying to get it going so they can be the first, t- the first sports team on TV. Because, like you said, that'll draw eyes. It'll get people going, and especially with the shortened season, it'll definitely get people going. But um. Switching gears now and still keeping in that same vein, um, just wanted to get your thoughts, you know, NCA president uh, Mark Emmert came out the other day and said, you know, there won't be college football season if students aren't allowed on campus by September, which to me completely makes sense. Uh, I, I don't think it's fair to the college football players to make any special exception for them just to come onto campus to play college football i mean we don't live down south in one of those college football crazy towns uh where they might have a different opinion you know an sec country you know don't mess with the sec but i to me this makes sense to
1: to say
0: what are your thoughts on it
1: you know my first thought is while we don't live in a college town we live in a college town buffalo really is uh, one of the things that players, when they come here as free agents or they get drafted, um, is is they say playing in Buffalo is different than really playing anywhere else because Buffalo feels like the fans are as engaged as college fans and that kind of thing. So I think, again, we, we get a unique perspective on this. Uh, being in Buffalo, having a... Uh, NFL team but not having a very good uh, or actually having a pretty terrible uh, NCAA team um, so you know that's sort of my take on on where Buffalo's at as far as the general map of of how things work and what people think of Buffalo but um, to get to your point I can go either way, to be honest. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, after March Madness got canceled, the NCAA needs revenue. Um, and they need a lot of revenue, uh, just to cover all sports. March Madness brings in a gazillion dollars for the NCAA and, and to completely have to scratch that, um, that puts so many different programs in jeopardy. I think you're going to see, no matter what, I think you're going to see a lot of of different sports get cut by at least the Power Five conferences, uh, who who really get paid the most out of out of the March Madness thing, um, and. I, I think, you know, while the NCAA is supposed to be amateur, everyone in the world knows that it's really a a pseudo-amateur, especially in football, basketball. Uh, it's, it's not amateur at all. Um, you know, I, I think, again, probably in another podcast, we can talk about players getting paid and that kind of thing. But uh, I think when it comes to uh NCAA sports you you may have to force some college football um just just to be able to get that revenue um and that then comes to where the players are at you know every team has what 80 players 100 players on their team and uh uh you know it it comes then down to the players decisions um you may see Alabama with three-star recruits because all the five-star guys just say, I'm not, I'm not getting sick, you know. But that would trickle down again, in my opinion. If Alabama's getting three-star recruits, then, you know, your other, your max of the world and, and that kind of thing, they're ending up with no stars or one stars, whatever you would want to call it. But, um, you know, walk-ons and stuff like that, Um, which could make for some terrible football, but it also is still a revenue maker. Um, college football television again. I mean, we keep coming back to these television deals, but the college football television deal is a monster. And I think that that is something that they have to really consider. Um, and I'm surprised, uh, honestly, to see the NCAA say there won't be a football season if students can't come back. Um, I I don't know that I disagree with it, but I don't know that I I'll say that I'll say it this way. I think uh, I disagree with it in the sense of the health of college sports, including, you know, women's gymnastics and men's volleyball and you know your your swimming and all of that stuff. I mean, these are the sports that bring in the money to allow colleges to be able to do that and to be able to hold those other teams together when you're canceling March Madness and then you come back and you cancel a football season you're you're again I I I, I really struggle with that um, so for the health of the game there's that for the health of college students there's a whole whole other side um, you know uh, I'll let you chip in in a second but this is just a quick thought here that most people college students age are asymptomatic um if they have it you know if they have the the virus then you know even if they pass it along through other players being asymptomatic you know you don't know the effect that it'll have on um i think the it was the nba who came in with coaches said they were worried about old coaches uh you know getting it but um, Again, that's a risk you have to take. If you're Nick Saban, what are you gonna do? Um, You gonna uh, if they say there's a football season, you think Nick Saban's gonna kick back and say, "Whoa, I don't want to get a virus," Um, or do you think Nick Saban's gonna say, uh, "Hey, let's go for another championship"? Your turn. (laughs)
0: Yeah. No. I mean, I definitely. Yeah. I. I can. I like you. I mean, I can now that you know you kind of talk about it more i can definitely see both sides um i do think it is an interesting thing though that it was the ncaa president that came out and said this i mean when you're talking about revenue and that kind of thing um like he said it like it wasn't a secret source within his office like how there was like oh if students aren't allowed like it was him like he came out was like this is what's going on this is what we're doing um yeah, I mean they definitely lost a lot of revenue with March Madness. Um and it'll be interesting. I think you're definitely right. The Max of the World, the 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 Midwest Conference, the Sun Belt, like those type of places, what are those smaller schools going to do without this money coming in? I mean, even the FCS schools who play Alabama in week two or three and get a million dollars just for going there, what are they going to do without that revenue coming in if there isn't a college football season? Um, I mean, I know it's kind of boo hoo to sit here and say, well, they're college kids playing a college sport, and what are these multi million dollar colleges going to do? But some aren't multi million dollar colleges. Um, you know, UB just recently, a couple of years ago, they they cut baseball, they cut softball to make sure that the football program could stay afloat. Um, so, you know, without their revenue, it could hurt the colleges. And that doesn't just trickle down to sports. That also trickles down to the the, the kids who don't play sports. What if they were planning to use the revenue from the March madness to build a upgraded library or something. Right. And like this, the colleges that don't get the donors that don't have the people who donate them the gazillion dollars to have their name on the hall. Right. Some of these colleges have to use that revenue and need that revenue to just stay afloat or at least stay ahead of the curve. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they end up going ahead to do. Um, no college football season would definitely be weird. Um, but you know, you saw the NFL come out and say if there isn't a college football season, we're gonna jump on Saturdays. So I guess that would help them.
1: It's an interesting segue since the NFL NFL uh, schedule was released, and it seems to me like that was kind of a sham release uh, because, to your point, if the NFL is saying we're having games on Saturdays, if the NCAA doesn't play. Uh, what were we watching a four hour show about, um, you know, uh, on ESPN and the NFL network, uh, what were we watching? Were we watching something that's completely pointless, um, you know, and that kind of thing. So I think, uh, you know, that's something to talk about too. I'm sorry to interrupt, but, uh, you know, it's definitely something that, uh, you know it's it's interesting in sports how everything flows together um and that there's a uh, sort of a singular thread here uh that goes through all sports that just talk about um and I think this is why people in one sense love sports um is because you can talk about each sport and the similarities. Um, you can talk about it from a holistic level or you can talk about it down to, you know, player level and what, you know, a player at the end of a, of a major league uh, baseball bench is going through as the same, probably the same thing as a long snapper on a football team. Um, and, you know, that's the, the kind of thing I think that... Draws people to sports is is that kind of thing, and I think with this social distancing and 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 all of that kind of stuff that is is in place, that it really is is causing some stress on a lot of people who are saying, "Where's my sports?" Um, and maybe that's why the NFL did do that. Um, you know, just to say, "Here's your sports for." For a night, but um, you know, sometimes I feel like the NFL, especially, is pulling wool over our eyes um, when it comes to that stuff. Because you, you just great. You release the schedule, and now you're telling us, oh well, if college doesn't play, then maybe we'll switch some of those games to Saturdays. So now you'll get Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, and then when do you talk about oversaturation? Um, and all of that stuff, and, you know, again, uh, I come from a, a business background, so I think a lot of the this stuff from a business standpoint, um, but I'm also, I come from a sports background, you know, I was at the Bills comeback game, and the 51-3 to game, and all that kind of stuff, so, yeah, I'm an old man, but uh, still, I, uh, I love sports with all of my heart, and, and, you just got to think about it, at least for me, from, from all angles.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, definitely agree with all that. And, you know, that definitely sees right into our next topic and one of our first segments on the new podcast. Yay. Crowd goes wild. Wow. All right. So this, (laughs) this segment is called social distancing. Uh, It's basically where we take something that, uh, going on in the sports world that both makes us want to socially distance from it, meaning we both don't like it and we both want nothing to do with it. Uh, So that topic is the NFL schedule release. Um, You know, the teams got it throughout the day. Uh, They got the phone calls from somebody in the league's office saying, hey, this is your schedule, just like, you know, we saw the video last year of where our lovely president, of the team Kim Bagula was sitting there and got the schedule, wrote it down and was like, "Ooh, Thanksgiving game. That's cool. Um, that's like the one thing I remember from that video. But uh, yeah, so our social distance topic, something that we want to stay as far away from as possible because we both hate it, was the three hour schedule release show that was on both NFL Network and ESPN. after the schedule had a been leaked throughout the day and it was basically all the leaks were right for the first time in god knows how long and secondly the teams already had the schedule and the NFL and the teams released the schedule at 7 slash 7.30 and then NFL Network and ESPN at 8 o'clock had a three-hour schedule release show to talk about the schedule, break down each game, talk about each team. And something that I also found was interesting that I didn't like, and I don't know if you saw this, but in the tweet where Schefter was promoting it, he ended it with something along the lines of, and of course, to provide hope. Uh, um, You know, I thought that was dumb. It was obviously a cash grab. Got to make that money somehow with no sports on. But I didn't like it. What were your thoughts on it?
1: I think when you say stuff like that, uh, even in the sporting world, you have to be really careful about what you say. Um, To me, uh, providing hope was the Yankees coming back after 9-11 and playing their first game. Um, That really got uh hope back into people especially in New York City but you know everyone was really gripped with 911 and bringing things back uh in the way that they did for with baseball and and that kind of thing and that being the, the first game played yeah uh, i mean you, you know that to
0: just, to just jump in I, I don't i don't mean to cut you off but i want to continue on that you know the sabers are doing the classic games and you even saw that with when the Rangers play their first game after 9/11, how powerful that was, and it's seeing that in a classic game. So I just wanted to add that in there, but continue That's with what you're saying.
1: Point. No, you had you have it, it's parallel to the uh, parallel point to to the Yankees game. Um, you know, you just. You know i remember those games i'm old enough to remember 9 11 as a non-historical event um but as an actual event that i i lived through uh and uh everyone was terrified it was it was truly terrible and uh i think when you say provide hope you you really have to be careful about what you're saying um on the flip side of that uh we have more people dying a day from the coronavirus than died in nine eleven in total. Um, there are times when it seems like the coronavirus isn't taken as seriously as it should, and maybe I just didn't do that in in what I was saying, but um I still think providing hope in, in this uh using providing hope in, in this kind of way is, is a bit of uh A misnomer or a bad call by Schefter.
0: Yeah, I mean I I definitely I definitely didn't like it either. I mean it's a schedule release, right? Like I think it would be different if I don't know, sports. If it was the first game. Right. If it was the first game. I mean, we've like I said earlier on the podcast, we've been sixty plus days (laughs) without sports when when, you know, the Thunder sent their fans home, and we saw that video of the press, the the PA announcer having to say to everybody, "You have to go home. You have to go home right now. Like you're not in danger, but you have to go home. Like right. like it's like you know closing closing time. You have to, you can't stay here. You have to go right. home. Like it's done. That's it. Like so you know I, it would be it would be much more different if we we got to see the opening tip of an NBA game or the puck drop of an NHL game, you know, or, you know, March, March Madness was played like that. That's the time when, when you use provide hope, not to promote a three hour scheduling show that was so drip dry, watching the paint dry on the wall. Boring.
1: Yeah. And I think that was another part of it was, was that it was incredibly boring. I think like you people... can't just
0: have the same guys keep talking about the same topic with every single team. You know, It's like, yeah, teams are going to be good, teams are going to be bad. And that seemed to be like the general gist of the show on both networks. And generally, I'm a guy who loves NFL Network because I think they have the better talent. But it was like both shows, it's like sometimes I felt like they didn't know what to talk about. <laughs> and
1: it's like, you know, I watched you all it's 32 funny because... teams because i watched espn because the guys they had on the nfl network that night i was not interested in hearing um but so i watched espn uh for as long as i could stand uh going through going through the schedule um and watching lewis riddick sit in his throne and uh tell us who's gonna win and who's gonna lose every single game and and uh being able to tell us that through his crystal ball from uh what it was just released in may so uh in this instance uh espn nfl network adam schefter they're all a fail yeah yeah I. Uh,
0: it just it just i don't know it, it made me mad one you know one of those things want to want to socially distance from it uh but getting away from that, uh, you know, we're just starting to become repetitive now and becoming a broken record. Uh, let's jump into some Bills talk. Uh, you know, this is a Western New York podcast, and so far we have yet to hit on anything Western New York. So uh, let's <laughs> let's start that now with uh, some some Bills talk. Uh, you know, we talked about the NFL schedule being released and the Bills schedule was released, and they get four primetime games. Uh, you know, I saw I saw a tweet that kind of sums up definitely how I'm feeling. Uh, being only 22, really never seeing a good Bills team until not not even seeing a good Bills team, but seeing a Bills team make the playoffs or be close, not be in the hunt, that kind of thing, until three years ago, Well, they were in the hunt, they needed the last thing. But even last year, you know, they were good last year. I don't I don't care what the schedule says with the win-losses, blah, blah, blah. That's irrelevant to me. The Bills were 10-6, made the playoffs, were actually good, showed up on their Thanksgiving Day game, and you know played their hearts out and now the NFL rewarded them for being the most watched Thanksgiving game and I don't even know how long with four primetime games uh
1: well you, you know, know two that's monday
0: nights a thursday night and a sunday night so what are your thoughts on that
1: well you know again that goes back to buffalo being a semi college town even though we have bad college teams you know you're going to get those ratings um and you're gonna you're gonna always get ratings from Buffalo, and I think uh, all the leagues are starting to real. Well, the two leagues that Buffalo is in um, are really starting to realize that and 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 know and learn how strong of a fan base Buffalo has. Hashtag Bills Mafia. Um, but um, you know, I uh, what was your question?
0: what are your, just, what are your thoughts on the bills getting for primetime games? You know, I uh, um,
1: love it. I, I love it. Um, you know, uh, I used to have season tickets. I gave up on it when I get tired of, of 40 degrees and rain. Uh, and that seemed to be, uh, every single fall game for about three seasons in a row. And I, I said, uh, my bones are tired, uh, you know, and, uh, so I gave up my season tickets after that, but, um, had them for a long time, uh, since I was 20 years old. Um, and, uh, uh, so from that standpoint, you know, I think, um, some of my fondest memories come from really, I think over the time that I had were two primetime games. Um, one being the Dallas game, um, that was incredibly painful, but, you know, I think that's the loudest I remember the stadium being in the post-2000 era. Um, and the stadium was just incredible that day, that that night. Uh, it felt electric the entire week just leading up to that game um, and all of that. And it was just uh, fantastic to have that game. And, you know, even though Dallas won for... For 59 minutes and 50 seconds of that game, there was jubilation in that stadium. <laughs> uh, there was true jubilation in that stadium, and people just uh, were rocking the entire time. I think, again, with with the uh, having the four night games, I think it does really hit on your point about the thing, the most watched Thanksgiving game. Um, and again, I think that goes to that college town mentality that you see, we just love our sports in Buffalo. Um, and you know, um, there's two things, two things there. There's obviously TV ratings, there's revenue. Um, and then, uh, so those are two things like I said. And then there's just uh, rewarding the Bills for uh, coming as far as they've come. You know, uh, I think uh, McDermott's a really good coach. I think Bean is a really good GM. I think they work well together. Um, Even if they just bring their old players from Carolina, that's fine with me. Um, And uh, I I think in, in general that... The steps that the bills have taken uh, since they've become the guys in charge are are worth rewarding at this point. So hopefully they can uh, make those prime time games worthwhile and and really hit hit the ball out of the park and it it can be like the days you don't remember.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I definitely hoping for that. Um, I think it's awesome. I think it's really cool to see Buffalo somehow get get respect, you know? And I did see a tweet that uh, perfectly summed up what I'm feeling, and, you know, I brought that up earlier. But uh, somebody tweeted, Buffalo is finally getting respected, period. I don't know how to act. And seeing the teams that I've seen, seeing the team be mismanaged, you know, Doug Whaley coming in and not really having any idea <laughs> – and, you know, trading up for Sammy Watkins when Khalil Mack was still on the board, and I get it, you know, you never know how players are going to pan out, but seeing time after time, you know, us not getting there, us always kind of being
1: the last. I think we knew how Khalil Mack was going to turn out. That's,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, you did, you know, but, you know, yeah, you you did um but you know i think it's cool to finally see them getting respect uh so let's turn our attention to the schedule though and just do uh real fast uh what we think they're going to do uh how how well you think they're going to do um do you want me to run through the games uh I, we can name them off we can say win loss um and then do our final total or you just want to give what do you think the win total is going to be and why
1: uh, let's spare our listeners of running through the games and uh, just give our final, our final thoughts. Um, you want to go first?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, so um, I can see the, the thing that I see the most is uh, another 10 and six season. Um, you know, I, I think with the addition of Stefan Diggs, uh, Josh Allen is going to take that step and, I I have a lot of faith in him to take that to take that next step that we need him to take to ultimately get us there. You know, you can't add a weapon like Diggs and have the quarterback fall flat. Uh, I mean, you can, obviously, but I really feel like if that were to happen, Allen would be taking a step way back. Um, I mean, from year from his half year in year one to year two, he took a tremendous step. I mean, he had the best completion percentage he ever had in his career in the NFL and college. Um, you know, and he's been told he's not an accurate quarterback, blah, 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 all this stuff. Um, but I mean, you add and guys like school. Diggs and they had it in high school even. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you add a guy like Diggs, you, you have the draft that you have where you find that halfback complement to Singletary. And, you know, the offensive line was pretty good last year, uh, for one of the first times in a really long time. So, you know, and Cole Beasley and John Brown both had standout their best years of their careers with Josh Allen at quarterback. So to me, I see 10 and six. Um, and another and uh, the and winning the AFC East, and um, definitely being one of the top seeds overall in the AFC. Uh, I, I really think this team is going places, and uh, yeah, ten and six is my record.
1: I got nine and seven, uh, which is pretty uh, a delightful outlook coming from me. Uh, I went through the games rather quickly and just said, win loss, win loss that kind of thing. Um, I didn't put too much thought into it, but at first glance, you know, I think there's always upsets. Um, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I put a little upsets in both ways. I looked at it. Um, and I'm, I'm a gloom and doom guy when it comes to the bills. I, Almost every year, I said, you got to convince me, guys. You got to convince me on the field. I need to see it before I believe it. Um, and uh, basically, if anyone asks me every year, I say 6 and 10 till they prove me wrong. <laughs> um, because uh, that just seems to be where I always end up. And they always surprise me and go 7 and 9 or 8 and 8 instead. But it's the same as six and 10. It's just, you get a, a worse draft pick. Um, the, uh, uh, so I was, I was pleasantly surprised to get to nine and seven. Um, and if, if, uh, pattern stays, that means they'll get 10 or 11 wins. Um, I think to your point, this entire season falls on Josh Allen. I think, uh, That's where it is. Matt Barkley, uh, you're not going to replace him. There's no quarterback battle uh, uh, with Fromm. Um, I think the Bills are going to carry three quarterbacks. Um, Yeah,
0: anybody who says that there's a quarterback battle brewing between Fromm and Josh Allen or that there's going to be, you're wrong. You're, You're just wrong. (laughs)
1: i think we're in complete agreement on that i think um from is eventually going to be a great backup for Allen, who hopefully is going to take that major step this year um i hate to be optimistic because they let me down so many times but um you know if they're going to get to nine and seven or ten and six uh I think it's gonna be all on Allen, uh, all on his back. Uh, getting digs is huge. Uh, it puts Brown in that second position. You put in Beasley in a better position, uh, and you're creating huge, huge, uh, competition uh, for those last couple wide receiver spots, which is fantastic. Uh, a lot of people see it as an issue, but, um, i don't um you know and a lot of people say well you have to keep the guys you just drafted but you don't um if they suck they suck you know um or they make the practice squad and and cool uh no matter what you know things things pan out and things have really panned out i think for mcdermott and bean and they've made a lot of right decisions and I think we've seen that they haven't made a lot of wrong decisions. Um, you know, uh, you can go here and you can look in hindsight, but at the time, you know, uh, the decisions that they've made have really worked out. Um, so Josh Allen, you gotta be the man. You gotta step up and show us what you got. Um, Hopefully, we'll see him leaping, we'll leaping leap some defenseman again, and not getting hurt, and going from there.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think we're really both in agreement. So, um, but before we wrap up, I do want to ask one question. I want to get your opinion on this because I'm wondering if we're in the same boat once again. What do you think wins them the AFC East? Uh, to me, I think. If they get to a record of 8 and 8 and higher, um I think that does and you know if you they win the AFC East, guaranteed playoff spot, right? They're not competing for a wild card spot. But what what record do you think wins them the AFC East?
1: I think a 9 and 7 would do it. I think a 9 and 7 even if they don't win the AFC East, get some in the playoffs with the expanded playoff uh spot this year. Um there's going to be a lot of parity this year, I think. Um, and so I think there's going to be a lot of teams in that seven, eight, nine win. I think the, what we're going to see from the bills is a, hopefully knock on wood, a pretty explosive offense with your two, uh, young running backs who really seem to have different skill sets. Um, I hope Sam Darnold doesn't light up the league. Um, you know uh there's signs that kind of point both ways uh, i hope ryan fitzpatrick doesn't light up the league or that tua comes in and lights up lights up the league um, i think in that <laughs> need end-
0: all other quarterbacks to be bad
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a quarterback league right so mm-hmm. um you know, I think what's great this year is that the Bills have a wide receiver core that you can pretty much compare with. Uh, at least say they're in the top ten of the league, if not top seven, maybe, um, if not top five. I don't know, um, but they're they're really up there, I think. Um, and I think again, hopefully that the the draft picks pan out or that. If the draft picks don't pan out, that may be an even better thing because that means you have other guys who are better than them. Um, so I think um, you asked what wins them the division. Uh, I think, really, what won, what wins them the division is the fact that Tom Brady plays for the Buccaneers now.
0: That is that is a uh, very good point. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, just so... Do you have anything else you want to add before we go to wrap up?
1: No, I think this was fun. Uh, It's probably extremely long and uh, not bad for our first time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, definitely. I, yeah, I thought that was a really good podcast. Uh, So, yeah, this is our wrap up. Um, Like I said, there is going to be a website coming soon. Uh, You can follow our show's Twitter at Buffalo Sports Kingdom or Buffalo Sports King. uh, And the at is Buff, B-U-F-F, Sports King. Uh, so definitely give that a follow with updates uh you know like stays pretty updated and we're pretty conversational on there uh, my Twitter is bsk underscore Noah and my dad's Twitter is bsk underscore Todd. uh definitely give us both a follow on those um you know we hope to do this for a long time uh, we hope that you know if you listen to this you stick with us uh you know we're we're getting in on the ground floor of something you know we're developing our own website and we're developing really our own brand so i hope you stick with us as we try to do our best job to provide you with the content that we want to provide um so yeah i hope you enjoyed our podcast i hope you stick around
1: one quick thing before we go i don't know that you actually uh plugged the what we're actually called but we are called the buffalo sports kingdom yes so uh that will be the name of our site and uh we're gonna be the buffalo sports kingdom and then Noah and I will be some kings
0: (laughs) very true we'll be those buffalo sports kings you know what I'm saying so uh yeah like like I said uh we'll keep we'll try to bring our best product um just stick with us uh see you next time and stay safe